A question I get asked often is how can I reduce stress around mealtimes? So if this is you and you're struggling, you're in luck today because we're diving into simple ways to help you make mealtimes more enjoyable, at least most days. <laughs> Stay tuned. Welcome to the Thriving Mom Podcast, where we invite mothers and mothers at heart to think outside the conventional beliefs about motherhood, nutrition, and raising healthy kids. I'm your host, Uime Oguta, recovering perfectionist and non-diet nutrition counselor on a mission to help smart women like you find food and body freedom through intuitive eating, self-care, and mindful practices that will leave you kicking balance to the curb, stop surviving, and start thriving in the beautiful chaos that is motherhood. Are you ready, mama? Let's journey together. Welcome back, friends. How are you today? I'm really excited to be bringing this conversation to you. (laughs) And it's because this is probably one of my favorite topics to talk about with mums because I know how stressful feeding kids can be. So I'm going to be sharing this in this episode, simple steps that you can take to make mealtimes less stressful for you. Now, I would go ahead and say that I have three kids and I have figured out how to engage with them and support them as they build their relationship with food and they don't all look the same. So for my first daughter, she started out with picky eating, which was a big struggle for me because I was already trained or I was familiar with all the things I could do to support her. But that head knowledge didn't get translated to action. And I think that this is one thing that a lot of us parents struggle with because yes, we think that when we know something, we're going to change. But until we address what's at the root cause of our feeling stuck or not knowing what to do, it can be really difficult. So one of the areas I want to chat about today is a myth that keeps us stuck in that cycle of the power struggle at mealtimes. Then we're going to chat about common areas where we struggle. And I'll give you simple steps that you can use to support your child. And also where you may have broken the trust with your child in the feeding relationship. I'll give you a few tips that'll help you. So I hope you'll stick around. So in addition to this episode, I've created a guide called How to Help Your Child Eat. And that you can find on my website at oliveandbliss.ca slash eat. The guide gives you three simple things that you can do to support your child in becoming a healthy, confident eater. Again, it's oliveandbliss.ca slash eat. It's really helpful. If you're driving, there's no need to take notes on this episode, but you can just grab that guide and dive right into it. Okay, so we're just going to start off with the myth, which I'm sure if you've been a mom for more than a few seconds, you probably know about this. And that is this belief that it is the mom or the parent's job to get the child to eat. Now that's not absolutely true because parents and children have their roles. When it comes to that feeding relationship, parents get to decide what kinds of foods they serve. They decide when those foods will be served and they decide where the foods will be served. Now children, on the other hand, get to decide whether or not they choose to eat and how much they eat. And they also control how their bodies turn out because that's based on their biology. Now, this is based on Ellen Satter's division of responsibility when it comes to the parent-child feeding relationship. I talked about this in an earlier podcast episode. I will include that link in the show notes so that you can go back to that and listen to it. Now, when we believe that it is our jobs to get our children to eat, that's a mindset. 
And if you've listened to this podcast or a few of my episodes, you will know that our thoughts impact how we feel about things. And those feelings drive the actions that we take, whether or not we realize that. So when you have the thought that it is your job to get your child to eat, what are you going to do as a result of that, right? You start to do things that reinforce the idea that it is your responsibility. But now you know it is not your responsibility to get your child to eat. Your child decides whether or not they eat. What you need to do is provide the foods, set the structure by deciding when they will eat and where they will eat. And that doesn't always have to be at the dinner table because we're so busy these days. Most of us are mobile. Obviously, in the pandemic, this may have reduced, but there was a time when so many of us were just revolving around our houses because we go to work, come back home, we're out again for extracurricular activities. So maybe dinner wasn't always at home. And that doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Even if dinner has to be in the car, But you get to decide, you get to plan for that, and your child can choose to eat or not. When you let go of the thought that it is your job to get your child to eat, it is so much easier for you to pay attention to what their needs are. For that need for connection at mealtimes, for that need to problem solve at mealtimes, which if you're too busy trying to get your way, you're going to miss if you're not paying attention. That's a myth that we need to squash right now and stop thinking about that. When that thought comes in your head, remind yourself that it is not your responsibility. Now, I'm just going to go ahead here and say that all infants are born with the innate ability to eat. So when they get confusing messages as infants or as they keep growing, that's when disordered relationships with food start. So it's really important for us to make sure that we're maintaining that responsibility. That is how we support them. All right, let's talk about some areas where we struggle. So the first one is the worry that our children don't know how much food they need. Children know how much food they need. Like I just said, all infants are born with the innate ability that they need to eat. Obviously, there are some children who struggle and usually they might have other issues that are underlying whatever struggles they may be having, which is always important for you to reach out to your healthcare provider if you're struggling or you feel that there might be something wrong with your child that needs to be addressed, please, by all means, make sure you do that. But for the most part, know that some days your children will eat a lot and other days they might choose not to eat like they usually do. This also depends on whether or not they're active. So in seasons where your children are really active, maybe in school or playing sports, you might find that they tend to be a lot hungrier and want to eat more often. And this might differ if your child doesn't really move around or they don't have a lot of things that they're doing that keeps them active. Also know that food preferences will change. So it's always important for you to make sure that you're responding by serving a variety of foods, else they become disinterested in the food. It's not that they're not hungry, it's just like it's the same thing and then they choose not to. So when parents come to me with the struggle about how much their children are eating, whether under or overeating, one thing I always encourage moms to do is rather than looking at one meal because we're so used to focusing on the foods that they don't eat, it's better for you to look at a whole range or continuum, maybe a week, maybe two weeks, maybe over a month. Just observe the periods where your child eats a lot more than usual and periods where they eat a lot less than usual. This might tell you something about them. So it's always important that we're looking at that range rather than a particular day when we're talking about how much our children eat. Another area where we're struggling 
is when our children say no. <laughs> I remember when I was running a summit last year and I was asking moms, what's the most triggering word for them when it comes to mealtimes? And a lot of moms said it's when their children say no. But as I've already established, <laughs> it is their responsibility to say no or yes to the food. So if we recognize that, we also need to know that our children are seeking autonomy. And if we're wanting to empower them to help them develop a healthy relationship with food, we need to recognize that it's okay. Them saying no to the food has nothing to do with you or your cooking skills. Even if you have questionable cooking skills, who cares? That doesn't change how much love they have for you or how much they care about you. So when your child says no and you feel that tension or that like sadness or whatever come up for you, Explore that reason. Is it possible that you're still thinking that it's your responsibility to get your child to eat? Because that will really trigger you. And no would become this huge thing that you're fighting with them over. So if we want to empower our kids, I always encourage moms to serve meals family style. And of course, when I'm saying family style, this changes with different families. You can have it full-on buffet style. You can have selected items. So at times when you know that items might be a little scarce, you could separate those and portion those out for everybody, but then leave items like maybe a bowl of salad so everyone can serve themselves. What this does is it actually helps your child to get to practice that autonomy so they can choose what they want to eat out of what you've presented or they can choose not to, right? And it's also a way where if you have someone who's a careful eater or someone who's still discovering their foods or picky eating is something that you're concerned with, this is a good opportunity for them to start to get familiar with foods because you serve it just open style, there's no pressure, and they start to warm up to those foods. They might try it, they might not. They might just look at you and see how you're eating those foods. This is all about helping your child to know that they can make those decisions. Keep in mind no doesn't have to be a trigger word. If you're triggered by the word no, I'm really encouraging you to explore why that's a trigger for you and doing something about that, managing your thoughts about that. Because if you don't, then it's going to show up as pressure when you are engaging with your child at the meal table. And again, our roles as parents are to provide the food. We decide when we eat the food and we decide where we eat the food. The child gets to decide whether or not they eat and how much they eat. Another area we struggle is introducing new foods. <laughs> and I'm talking about this because I know my friend, this is something that she was really struggling with when her son was young. And the one thing when you've had a child who you consider problematic when it comes to eating and you decide to introduce new foods, you already feel stressed out because you're anxious that they're not going to want to try the food. If our thoughts are driving our feelings and our actions, we need to be thinking about if I'm trying to introduce a new food, is being anxious about this process really helping me? Because if you're anxious, then you're really going to start pressuring your child. You might not really be in charge of presenting the food in the way you want. So I'm going to offer you this. Most children are very careful about trying new foods. That's a normal behavior. Chances are, if they're depending on their age, they'll probably take a bite. They might poke at it. They might try it out. They might actually spit it out or refuse to even touch it. Your job is to just keep presenting the food. Obviously, if the rest of your family 
has taken on that food and you have one person who's still trying to figure it out, it always helps to have an option for them. And this is not about creating a whole new meal. It just might be something like having rice or some form of food that you know that they're familiar with that would help in those moments. So when it comes to my clients in Thrive, which is my one-on-one coaching program, we talk about pairing unfamiliar with familiar foods. The quickest example that comes to mind for me is when my children started eating carrots because carrots are something that I like to snack on. So usually I would have carrots with some blue corn chips and hummus and my kids started eating the chips, but they did not want to try the carrots, did not want to try the hummus, which is fine. So I just presented it whenever I was eating. Are you interested? Yes or no? And we moved on. Over time, they started trying the carrots. And now, even my toddler, when I present perhaps cucumbers or any sort of fruit or vegetable, if we're just hanging out and and eating, she'll ask, well, where are the carrots? We need to include the carrots. It's not complete. (laughs) So it's just making sure that we're presenting it, keeping a neutral response to how they respond to the presentation and learning If you're too busy thinking it is my responsibility, you're not going to be paying attention to what your children are showing you. Another way you could introduce new foods is by just checking the texture progression. So one of the areas where we're learning right now is with potatoes. My kids started off with fried potatoes, so they like the crispy texture. They don't like it mashed. They don't like it boiled. So what do we do? We started out with the thin potato fries, and that's what they were eating. So then I progressed to making wedgies. Wedges are a little bit thicker. They have more of the softer part of the potatoes, but you still get the crispiness. I tried to move on to the mashed potatoes and they totally just like shut me down. So we've gone back to doing just fries and wedges. Over time, I'm going to try to introduce boiled potatoes again and see what happens. So you could try this out with any food. What about pasta? If there's just one type of pasta they like, maybe they just like thin spaghetti. What if we could try macaroni next time? Or what if we could try penne? It's all similar in texture, but just different. And it's variety. So this is something that you can try just to help them to get comfortable with seeing food presented in different ways. One thing I just want to say here is that it's very important for us to make sure that we're maintaining our role especially when it comes to trying new foods. Because when your child tries a new food, right away your response might be to congratulate them and cheer them on. But research shows that even cheering your child on is a form of pressure because now they're eating these vegetables because that's usually where the parents struggle. It's like we want them to eat veggies. No one ever gets excited (laughs) when kids are eating chips, but we're like praising them when they have vegetables or fruit. So it's really important that you keep that praise to yourself rather than encouraging them or saying, oh, great job, you had your peas or carrots or whatever. What about thinking about the skill that they gained in that moment? Oh, I noticed that you tried the carrot. How was that for you? Get them to explain, depending on the age of the child, get them to explain how that process worked out for them. So that helps you to learn that maybe The way you present it is helping them to get comfortable with eating. This is how you enforce that behavior without praise, without that pressure of wanting to reward them for trying out whatever food it is that you approve of. I hope this makes sense. 
So I want to quickly touch on what you can do overall just to help your child become a healthy, competent eater. It's really important when you're starting out, you follow your pediatrician or your doctor's guidelines when starting solids, but also trust your gut. As a parent, you know what's best for your child. And if we just trust yourself, you'll know what you need to do. And I'm saying this because when my third daughter was born, both her sisters before her, I had fed them infant cereal because that's what you're told. You start with the rice, then you introduce other foods. My daughter was not having any of that. She just wanted to go straight into the foods that we were eating. And for me, it was really interesting because that's how we grew up in Nigeria. Your kid just starts to eat solids. They eat whatever you eat. But because I had been in Canada for a while and both my first and second daughter, I used the Canadian guidelines. It was really difficult for me to sort of think that my other child would want to eat differently. So this was a shift that I had to make. Prepare meals and try to make sure that when you're preparing the meals, whether they're snacks or your main meals, include proteins, whole grains, fats, fruits, and vegetables. Try to get foods from different food groups. It doesn't always have to be the same. For bigger meals, I tend to encourage people to do three to four food groups. And if it's just a snack, maybe two to three food groups would be helpful. Just trying to see what works and what doesn't get your child involved. When we want to talk about nutrition, we need to refer to nutrition in terms of energy, in terms of the role that the food is playing in our body. Carrots help you see better, period. There is no explaining all the chemicals and all of whether it's organic or not. Children don't need to see that or hear that. They just need to know that this food is supporting me. Even things like chips, where a lot of us tend to shy away from and think, oh, those foods are not helpful. This could be play foods for kids. They might just like the fact that it's crispy. It tastes crunchy when they eat it. And that's fine. There's no need to start talking about food, whether it's good or bad, healthy or unhealthy. That is not your job as a parent, especially if your child is under kind of like ages 12 and under. At that stage, what you're doing is teaching. So it's always best to meet them where they are. Again, I want to reiterate, your responsibility as a mom, as a parent, is to decide what, where, and when for the foods, and your child decides whether they eat and how much they choose to eat. Now, you might hear all of this and you think, well, I've already messed up. How can I even go back to making the changes that you're talking about? Because, of course, now I've seen the areas where I've struggled and where I may have broken that trust with my child. I will tell you that there is hope. There is nothing that cannot be changed, especially when your kids are still very young. The first step will just be for you to meet them where they're at. Come down to their level recognize that perhaps you were not leading in the right way and have a conversation. You know, I learned something new today. I recognize that I hadn't been supporting you. So I really would love to encourage you and see how you can develop a healthy relationship with food. So from now on, I'm going to step back from trying to control you at mealtimes. And then I want you to tell me how you want me to support you. Just something as simple as that can just get that conversation started. And then you could ask them, what kinds of foods do you like to eat? Again, we're just building that connection. We're just getting to know our kids, figuring stuff out for them. When you do stuff like that, it really just opens that door for them to recognize that, yes, my mom is listening or my parent is listening. This is safe for me 
to be able to express myself and how I want to engage with food. Then when they tell you how they want you to support them, please make sure that you respond. It might be some kind of crazy request, which is fine, but you are the parent. You can give them the reason why that might not really happen at that time, but you're willing to try. So for instance, when it comes to candies, because I know this is where a lot of parents struggle too, your child might say, well, they want to eat all the candy. Okay, well, how about rather than eating everything, can we start with one? We can buy a pack this week. And these are the rules of engagement when it comes to the candy. I'll put it over on the countertop. You get to decide how much you want to eat during dinner time. So then you're giving them that opportunity to try that out. And over time, that intense response to the candy will reduce. When I say here very importantly, you will feel uncomfortable because this is not normal. And I'm saying here normal in quote because that's not what's really taught in society. So it's really going to just blow your brain to be thinking, why is she letting her kids have all these candy or whatever thing you're doing? Again, remind yourself, it is not your responsibility. You're going to stay in your lane and let your child do their job. When you recognize that and trust that, then things will change eventually. So I have an episode coming up in a few weeks where my kids and I are actually discussing how we've been able to implement trying new foods in our home which is a very interesting conversation that we had. So if you're not subscribed to this podcast, I hope you will pause and go subscribe right now so that when that episode drops, you will be first to know. One last thing before I go, I just want to say that mealtimes can be challenging. We understand that, but it doesn't have to be stressful every day. It is possible. And you can only support your child to the level which you've done your own work. So if you're struggling with food in your body, chances are you're going to struggle with letting go and trusting your child and supporting them to eat. Even if you try, the time will come when your patience and your willpower will run out. And this is part of the work that I do in my program, Thrive. Right now, Thrive is not open, but I'm going to be opening it again in the fall. So if you think that this is something you might need support with, go ahead and join the wait list for when Thrive opens. The website for that is oliveandbliss.ca slash thrive. All right, my friends, I hope this episode was helpful and hopefully you've gained some skills (laughs) or some tips that you can use to make mealtimes less stressful for you and your family. It can be challenging, but let your default and your regular be less stressful mealtimes around the table. If you found this episode helpful, please leave us a five-star rating, leave us a review, download it, share with a friend. If you share it on social media, please tag me at Olive and Bliss Wellness. Until next week, keep thriving.